to have you with us. Welcome to Desert Breeze Community Church. Exciting times around here. Can't wait. We are doing the big finale here of this teaching series. We're going to be kicking off a brand new one next weekend, so you're going to want to make sure you come back here as we blow the roof off of this place. We're going to put dynamite all around this. I'm kidding. I, I didn't say that. No, this, they've been really gracious to us. This has been a great, great home for a very long time, and uh, we're so happy about our, our new home, and so uh, I'll talk to you a little bit more about this up-and-coming up series, because we're going to be kicking it off next weekend, the weekend before we move in to our new new place. Uh, Soul Rx, self-talk, is the title of this weekend's message. There's no greater prescription for what ails our soul than deep communion with God. That's been really the thesis statement throughout this series. Our hearts are forever restless until we find our rest in Him. That's the only place you'll ever find deep rest is in Him. Um, so we're wrapping it up this morning. Uh, I had some, uh, some friends give me this book a number of years ago. It's called The Worst Case Scenario Survival Handbook. And I uh, just wanted to read to you some of the uh, things that they teach you here. How to Escape from Quicksand. Not sure if I'll ever need that one. How to break down a door. Had to do that a few times on the fire department. Uh, how to break into a car. I've had to do that when I lock my keys in the car. Um, how to hotwire a car. I've never done that. How to ram a car. That sounds interesting. It was interesting when you kind of read through here. How about this one? How to wrestle f- free from an alligator. Anybody ever have to do that? Probably not. How about... Uh, how about this one? How to win a sword fight? Or here's a good one. How to take a punch. We teach men that in premarital counseling. And uh, <laughs> Now check this out. This is Leaps of Faith, a section called Leaps of Faith. How to jump from a bridge or a cliff into a river. How to jump from a building into a dumpster. Why would you ever want to do that? Uh, how to maneuver on top of a moving train and get inside. I mean, it's all right here in the book, okay? And how to jump from a moving car. Don't ever do that. How to leap from a motorcycle to a car. Don't ever do that either. But it's, I, I find it quite interesting, and I brought that up is because uh, Psalm 103 is where we are today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Is different than other Psalms because it's not coming out of any particular event or historical situation. There's no reference to enemies or sins. It's really a, a general psalm. This psalm teaches us how to handle anything. We could almost say that this psalm is kind of the psalm for the worst case scenario or the best case scenario. How do you handle anything in life? Um, here's, here's my thesis statement for this psalm, Psalm 103. The reason we are overcome by life's trauma, trials, and temptations is because in the content of our self-talk, we forget the gospel. We forget his benefits. And so we're talking about self-talk. And, and, and you guys have heard me say this plenty here. Whatever, whatever the capacity for human suffering, the gospel has a greater capacity 
for health and healing and wholeness. And it's not the events of life that traumatize or terrorize us, but our evaluation of those events. It's not what's happened to you. Listen to me. It's not what's happened to you. I'm not minimizing what's happened to you. But it's your evaluation of what has happened to you that makes all the difference in the world. And our self-talk has a lot to do with our evaluation of those events and those things that have happened to us. And he's going to give us really some great insight on our self-talk. And believe it or not, you do talk to yourself a lot. You really do. And so we'll, we'll get to the bottom of that and we'll talk about that. And so would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. And then we're going to dive into this text. Father God, you are merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Your love is intoxicating. Your inspired and infallible word is life-giving. Open our eyes that we may see wonderful things from your word. Teach us how we can face anything when the content of our self-talk, the content of our, our soul is saturated with the gospel. God, remind us this morning that it was through the death of your son, Jesus' death bridged the vast chasm of divine alienation between us and objectively restored us to a place of favor and friendship with you. We thank you for that. May that saturate our lives this morning. We pray these things for your glory and our satisfaction in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So here's where we're going with this study. What should be the flow of my self-talk? What should be my self-talk in my life? And you can see we're only going to cover a couple verses here, and then we're going to save the rest of the text for the end of the service because, it, because he enumerates what that looks like. So the questions we're looking at is, what should be the flow of my self-talk? What does it mean to remember his benefits? Because that's part of our self-talk. And then why is it important to remember his benefits? And then how do you remember his benefits? And so here we go. Uh, let me talk to you a little bit about our self-talk. Our mind is this ceaselessly active fountain or stream out of which our life flows. Proverbs 4.23, maybe it's a verse you've memorized. I've memorized it years ago. It says, uh, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. It is the flow of your life. When you, so it's important that you guard your heart. Proverbs 23.7, if you read it in the New American Standard, it says this, as a person thinks within himself, then so is he important verse, tells us in Romans 8, 5 and 8, it says that the mind, uh, in fact, let me, let me turn there, just, you don't need to turn there, but it's Romans 8, it's a phenomenal couple verses here, he says, starting at verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh, that means sinful nature or self-absorption, set their minds on the things of the flesh. We, we are self-absorbed. We tend to be. That's the essence of sin is our self-absorption. But those who live according to the Spirit. So he's saying you're going to either live according to the flesh or you're going to live according to the Spirit. And he says you can tell that predominantly by what captivates your thoughts, what dominates your thoughts. So for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Now, this next verse is pretty... Uh, telling. It tells us a little bit of what happens as a result of that. For to set your mind on the flesh is death. So if your self-talk is predominantly about you being absorbed on you, he says it's death or anything other than God, it's death. But to, but to set the mind on the spirit is life 
and peace. A life dominated by God kind of thoughts. So we all talk to ourselves, whether we know it or not. We speak with our mouths about 150 to 200 words a minute. Okay? We carry on an inner dialogue with ourselves. So if we can speak about 150 to 200 words a minute, how rapid do you think that our mind runs as far as our inner dialogue? Anybody have a wild guess out there? It's, how many would say it's twice that? Twice that? Okay. Actually, it's quite a bit more than that. It's about 1,300 words per minute that there's an inner dialogue going on. And, of course, it depends on how much Red Bull or espresso you've had that morning. Some of you just need a little bit of Red Bull just to get up to the 200 level, huh? In the morning, and you guys are obviously morning people because you're here in the first service. You should see the second service, man. I mean, they are so slow. You'd think that they, after sleeping in that they would be fired up, but no, they're... You got to get them fired up. It's kind of crazy. Okay, don't tell them that I said that, okay? <laughs> Anybody here typically go to the second service? Oh, that's what I was afraid of. I was afraid of that. I see some of you. You do go to the second service. What are you doing in this service? Okay. So all day long, you are having, all day long, you are having thoughts, observations, perceptions, ideas flowing through your mind. Who you are can be no better and no worse than the thoughts you entertain in your head. Who you are emotionally can never transcend your level of thinking. Who you are emotionally can never transcend your level of thinking. Kind people are thinking what kind of thoughts typically? Kind thoughts. Contented people are thinking what kind of thoughts? Typically contented thoughts. My mom, I got to tell her, my mom, here just a minute, I remember growing up, and from time to time she'd go out and try to get the best deal that she could get at some store, and then she'd later on realize that she didn't get the best deal. There was another store that had a much better deal, and she would say things like this, the more I think about that, the matter I get. So we'd say, mom, well, quit thinking about it. But it was obviously much deeper than just that. I mean, there was something much deeper than that. But that's, that's our thoughts. Now, look at verses 1 and 2, because he's going to give us what should be the flow of my, of my life or my self-talk. He says, bless, bless the Lord, O my soul, in all that is within me, bless his holy name. Who is he speaking to here? He's speaking to self. He's speaking to his soul. He's talking to himself. This is self-talk. He's writing it down. He's saying, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. He doesn't stop there. It's almost like he's saying, come on, self. Come on, soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So, I mean, he's, he's working himself. He's trying to take captive every thought as it teaches us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We need to take every thought captive Bring him to the obedience of Jesus Christ. He's trying to evaluate his thoughts. He's trying to make sure that his thoughts are flowing in the right direction. He's, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Come on, soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He's kind of working himself. And then the rest of this is that he begins to enumerate the benefits of the Lord. He's just kind of reciting, and he's meditating, and he's reflecting, and he's thinking, and he's trying to get that deep into his heart. So we need to talk about this. So what should be the flow of 
or the self-talk of my life, here's your first fill in the blank, praising the Lord with my soul in most being or self-talk. Now, Bible talks a lot about this. And what does that mean to bless the Lord? It means to enjoy the Lord. It means to celebrate his goodness. It means to, to enjoy his presence. It means to, to talk to him and interact with him and to have relationship with him. That's what it means. And, uh, and in fact, in 1 Thessalonians, they gave you a number of verses. These are cross-references. You can study these a little bit more in depth on your own through the growing notes. And possibly if you go to a small group that does this, you'll be prepared for the small group uh, conversation. But 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. And again, I say rejoice. Always rejoice in the Lord. Live your life in such a way that your self-talk and all that who you are, you're rejoicing, you're celebrating, you're enjoying all of who God is and what he's done for you. That's what it means to bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. And then um, Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name, according to the character of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So praising the Lord with my soul, my inmost being, or my self-talk. How do I do that? By not forgetting his benefits. By not forgetting his benefits. Now, as I've already stated, is that every one of us has habits and patterns of thought. Even right now, your thoughts are going somewhere. You have these certain habits and patterns, and so it takes a while sometimes to break those habits and patterns. And and what he's trying to do is break that within his own life. He's trying to say, hey, let my thoughts be on the Lord. May my soul bless the Lord. May I, I recite and go through the many benefits that I have in him. Now, everyone has certain habits and patterns of thought. For instance, when you walked in today, let's just say that someone said to you, gee, you look terrific. Now, what would typically be the, <clears throat> the uh, pattern of thought for an optimist? What would be the pattern of thought for an optimist? If someone came up to you and said, gee, you look terrific, the optimist would probably say, hey, what a friendly guy. A, a narcissist would say something like this, possibly in their mind. I was thinking the same thing. Tell me more. You fascinate me. <laughs> a pessimist would say, we say when someone says, you, gee, you look terrific, the lighting in here must be really bad. And then a cynic might say something along these lines, this person must be trying to recruit me for something. <laughs> so our thoughts naturally flow into certain patterns, and we've got to recognize those patterns. That's the reason why well, you can tell some people that you love them and they just keep kind of rejecting that. I can tell you that God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. And because you have certain habits of thought and pattern, it bounces off of you like a, like a bullet on, on metal or bullet on a rock. Boom, boom, ping, ping, ping. I see it all the time. When, I, when I'm sharing my heart and talking about the, the love of God, I often see that in people's eyes. It's just like, yeah, yeah, right, right. You're pushing that back through your self-talk, possibly through some negative experience you've had in the past. We'll talk about that. And so, what should be the flow of my self-talk? Praising the Lord with my soul. How? By not forgetting his benefits. Now, as I stated, everything else in the psalm is an enumeration of the benefits in verses 3 through 22. And we'll save that for the very end. We'll read that at the very end. Kind of do a little bit different here this morning. And so the psalmist is actually giving us a, a model of how to do that. So let's talk a little bit about this idea of not forgetting 
as he says here, do not forget all, or let me say it, forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his benefits. Because that's the problem. That's the problem that we have. We tend to forget his benefits. We forget who we are in Jesus. We forget what he's done for us. We're not living in the reality of that. And so what does it mean to remember his benefits? Number one on your notes, it is a prominent theme in the Scripture. So when you study through Scripture, you see this theme of remember, remember, remember. Uh, Numbers 15, 38 through 40, on their clothing, the Jews would put tassels, and he actually instructs them to put these tassels on on your garments so that you can remember God's commandments. It was the purpose of remembering God's commandments. In Deuteronomy 5, 15, 15, 15, 16, 12, 24, 18, and 22, Israel is heading into the promised land, and this is how many times he warns them, don't forget what I've done for you. Don't forget where I have brought you from. Why is that? Because we have the tendency to forget. We have a tendency that when all is going well in our lives, we put God on the shelf, we kind of do our own thing. We forget. We forget from where we have come from and and how far we've come and what God has done for us. Exodus 12, 14, we have the Passover feast. The Passover feast was basically a memorial day of their exodus from Egypt. So he's saying, hey, I want you to practice this because I want to remind you of your exodus from Egypt. Joshua 4, 7. He says, as he takes them through the Jordan River, he says, when you get through, I want you to pile up a bunch of rocks. This is a memorial to remind you of what I just did. Because you guys, once you get into the promised land, you're going to forget all this. So you need to have these reminders. Isaiah 51, 12 through 13. It's interesting. Let me, in fact, read this. And this kind of gives us a little bit of kind of a root problem in our lives. He says, I am he who comforts you. This is God speaking to us, to them. I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies, of the son of man who is made like grass and have forgotten the Lord your maker? You see what he's saying? We get all fearful of man, fearful of our circumstances, fearful of the things in our lives because we forget he's our maker. He's the one that comforts us. He's the one that loves us. He's the one that promised to take care of us. But we forget. That's what he's reminding them of in that verse. And then in Luke twenty-two nineteen, First 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-four through 25, we are to do this in remembrance. It's one of, the, one of our two church ordinances. What are our, ter- our two church ordinances? The things that we practice regularly, and these are uh, pictures of our salvation. You guys remember what we do? Two things that we do. We, we take communion, and then we, do, we dunk people under the water, hold them down under until they can't breathe, and then we bring them back up. No, we baptize. And so this is talking about communion. Do this in remembrance. Why do we take communion? So that we can remember. 1 Peter 1, 8 through 11, uh, he talks, he goes through this whole list of character uh, issues and things that we should be growing in these different characteristics of, of character, but if you're not, it's because you have forgotten that you are cleansed from your past sins. That's what he says there, 1 Peter 1, 8 through 11. So it's a prominent theme of, in Scripture of not forgetting, but we tend to forget. Now, it is much more than recall, but to live out certain truths about God. That's your next fill in the blank. So it's not just to... To recall it, you know, you can 
You can say, you can bring it up and talk about it, but it's much more. It means to live in the reality of what he's done. Here's the next one, number three. It is to have a truth so central to your awareness that it controls your behavior. So it's something that is so central to your awareness or your conscience, consciousness that it controls your behavior. Um, my niece, Rochelle, uh, and her husband, Keith, and their little daughter, Mabel, stayed over the holidays here a few years ago. And Keith's daddy was uh, kind of wrestling around with Mabel there in our kind of four-year area. And when he stood up, there was this big old huge uh, scorpion hanging off his back. And I said, uh, I said, Keith, Keith, you have this humongous scorpion on your back. Keith, do you hear me? Yes, I heard you. I have a humongous scorpion on my back. Keith, I don't think you heard me. Keith, you have a humongous scorpion on your back. And, he, and then the second time he goes, I have a scorpion on my back? <laughs> you know, start, I say, stand still, stand still. I'm going to get Nancy in here to take it off your back. <laughs> huh? How many believe that? No, you don't. She, she was cleaning the blinds yesterday and there was a scorpion that dropped down on the, dropped down into the, right on the uh, windowsill. And she's screaming. She goes, get out, I don't have any shoes on, I can't kill them. And I ran in there. And uh, it was just the shell of a scorpion. It was already dead. So uh, she was freaking out for nothing. And, uh, Anyway, so let me, let me ask you about Keith here. The first time, first time Keith heard me intellectually, it was just an intellectual idea, but the second time it was taken into the innermost being. It was so central to his awareness that it controlled his behavior. You, you, you see the difference? So we can say it intellectually. We can know God intellectually. We can say, oh, yeah, 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 God loves me. He, ta- you know, he loves me and takes care of me. I can know that intellectually, but do I know it existentially, compellingly? It moves me, it stirs me, it motivates me. It's what I live for. It's at the center of my consciousness. That's what he's talking about here. Is it vivid? Is it immediate? Is it real? Here's the next one on your notes. It is a listening and arguing with my heart the benefits of God. Now, it's, it's listening, so it's listening to your heart. So it's listening to where your heart is. Anybody here ever get sad? Show of hands? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what do you do when you're sad? I go eat a big old bowl of ice cream. That's what I do. And then if that doesn't make me happier, then I go and eat another bowl of ice cream. Or, you know, my, I forget the kind of ice cream my wife buys, but man, it's really good. But guess what? I'm still sad after I get done. And I'm really sad because I ate too much and, and I'm sick. But no, no, what do you do when you're sad? This is what you need to do. Don't look for some kind of anesthetic. Apply the truth of God specific to where your heart is most sad or restless or what's going on. That's a great opportunity for an encounter with God and to begin to preach the gospel to yourself. Now, a certain amount of sadness is, is appropriate. It's part of grief. But, but, I mean, you guys know the difference between sadness and despair, don't you? Because it's, 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 it's okay to be sad if you lose your job or lose a loved one or, you know, any number of things. But if you're in despair, 
It's because you've overly attached your heart. Your sense of identity is, is misplaced. It's in, in your job or in your health or in any of these things. And it's, it's okay to be sad. And so it's opportunity to, to, to once again put your identity in Christ. He's, he's your Savior. He's your Lord. He's the one that takes care of you. So what we have to do is, so what we're talking about here, it is a listening and arguing with my heart the benefits of God. And that's part of the benefits of having friends sometimes because you've gotten with friends and your friends will kind of argue with you. Come on. Come on, you know better than that. Listen, listen to what you're saying. That's not consistent with what the Bible says. God is for you and not against you. You're acting like he's abandoned you. He hasn't abandoned you. Listen to me. He loves you. He's going to take care of you. Smack, you know. No, you don't do that, but sometimes you feel like it. Say, come on. But sometimes you need people that are in your, kind of in your corner, kind of in your corner cheering you on, smacking you around a little. Sometimes you need to be smacked around a little bit. Not obviously, literally, where they have to get a court order against you or something like that. My Christian friends keep beating me up. I know they, they, they want the best for me, but no, not quite like that. Okay, you guys know what I'm talking about. Okay, here's the next one, number five. It is a vigorous, prayerful meditation of the truths of God deep into my heart. Hey, hey listen, I, I'm the guy that gets up here week in and week out. There are plenty of times I get up here, I have to spend most of Saturday just to get my heart fired up. If you think that I'm fired up all the time, just talk to my wife. She'll tell you I'm not, but I have to, I meditate, I reflect, I listen to uh, preachers, guys that stir that passion within me to where it's just ignited within me so that when I get up here and I'm ready to go, and it, it, takes, me, it takes me all week to do that many times. It, sometimes it takes me all day. Sometimes I even get up here when I'm not feeling it, and by the time I'm finished preaching, I'm, I'm sensing it. Does that make sense? Because I'm preaching it like crazy to you. I'm preaching it to me. I got a front row seat here. I need this as much as you need this. So when I'm preaching and proclaiming the gospel, I'm doing it to me too. I'm needing this. In fact, I'll tell you what, nothing will lift your heart more than when you come along a brother or sister that's down and you kind of lift them up, it'll lift you up. Does that make sense? That's why, that's why we want you to get involved in ministry. Because we know the benefit of that. When you're, when you're coming along and helping others and ministering to our kids and our students and what have you, you just come alongside of somebody in your small group. It's good stuff. It's rich stuff. So it is a vigorous, prayerful meditation on the truths of God deep into your heart. We talked about that in Psalm 1. Uh, Psalm 42 gives us, uh, in fact, uh, Scott, Mr. Scott Famili did a really great job on that. If you want to go and download that message, it's on Psalm 42. But this was part of it. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. You hear, he's, you hear that wrestling inside of him? He's, he's talking to himself. He's challenging his thoughts. Why are you downcast? Come on, soul. What in the world's going on? So he's talking to himself. He's stirring himself up. He's preaching the gospel to himself. So why is it important to remember the benefits? Here's the next one. So, so we've talked about what should be the flow, praising the Lord and not forgetting his benefits. What does it mean to remember his benefits? It's not just to recall, but it's to live, live in the reality of what he's doing in our life. And sometimes it takes some, some preaching and meditating and reflecting. And, and, uh, and sometimes I have, to, I have to get away for a while for a season. And I don't realize how out of touch I am with God until I get away for a season for 24 hours or so. 
and I meditate, I reflect, I pray. Sometimes I'll just all night long, I'll listen to praise music and I'll wake up in the middle of the night and pray and, 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 and then as I get, I get into a place spiritually sometimes that God becomes so real to me and I'm wondering, man, where have I been living up to this point? I haven't really been living until now. I'm beginning to see you do love me. You are here. You do care for me. But it takes some time. It takes the spiritual disciplines. And so what is... Why is it important to remember his benefits? The problem behind all my problems is that I forget the gospel. It's the problem behind all my problems. Um, important truths can lose their grip on us over time. After a while, you, you, you hear the word grace. When you first hear the word grace, it's, just, it's explosive. It explodes in your heart. You're just like, whoa, <laughs> that's awesome. And then after a while, you keep hearing it, hearing it, hearing it. And over time, it's just like, oh, well, yeah, yeah, oh, okay, yeah. What? When I see people going like that, it's like, man, you need a, a revival of grace because you need to have that refreshed in your heart because it's not just like, oh, well, it's like, whoa, this is unbelievable what, what God has done. I mean, do you understand what he's done out of his outrageous love? He, he's, he's reconciled us. He has taken full responsibility to reconcile us to the Father through him, through his death. He's covered He's covered it completely, paid in full. It's like you have access to the throne room of God through what, through what Jesus has done. What outrageous love that God would do everything necessary to reconcile us to himself. He has done everything necessary to reconcile us to himself. Do you understand? That's grace. And so we can say those words sometimes, but they don't take hold of our life. Just a simple statement that I just said to you right then. I mean, just when we reflect on it, I'll reflect on it and think about it. what does that mean? The implications of that. Oh, my goodness. That's awesome. God, I have, you're with me right now. You love me. How often I take that for granted. I've forgotten. See, that's the root of all of our issues. We forget. The problem behind all of my problems is that I forget the gospel. Important truths can lose their grip on us. See, if you're saying, yes, I know the Lord loves me, and yet you are filled with anxiety, bitterness, and depression... It's an intellectual idea to you. And, uh, and you don't know that deep in your soul. So if you still have inordinate anxiety, anger, and depression, you don't know his love deep in your soul. You don't know his love deep in your soul. If you have inordinate anxiety, anger, and depression... I understand that there's other, there can be physiological issues in there too, but I'm just saying. So when you get that deep in your heart... It's got to be at the center of your consciousness. It's got to be vivid, immediate, alive, real. See, if you're unloving to other people, this is what you're forgetting. You're forgetting you've forgotten how much he loves you. You're not living in the reality. So anytime you're unloving to someone else, it's because you're not living in the reality of his love for you. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? Okay. If you're joyless, if you were without joy, I mean... There is a joy that is amazing that goes beyond people, things, and circumstances. But if you're without joy, if you're joyless, you have forgotten the pleasure in the eternal privileges you have in God. You're not living in that. If you have no peace, you have forgotten about God's loving, wise control of your life. He's in control of your life. He has, he's perfectly, he loves you perfectly. He's infinite in wisdom. He's orchestrating all the events of your life. You can trust him. You can be at peace. If you're bitter, you have forgotten God's forgiveness and grace to you. If, you're, if you succumb to temptation, 
You have forgotten about the power of God's promise. Do you know why we give in to temptation? Nobody sins out of duty. We sin because it offers a promise of happiness. We take the bait because we think we're going to be happier. I was thinking about what we talked about last week, that, that people, Christians, the stats we talked about, Christians spend five, uh, 15 minutes in the Bible and about four hours uh, in TV a day. Why is that? Because they think they're going to be happier by watching TV. That's why they do that. It's a matter of values. But the power of sin's promise is broken by the power of God's promise. You're not living in the reality of what he promises you. You're choosing to to play in the mud puddle when he's got a Caribbean cruise waiting for you. So so when you give in to temptation, that's what you're giving into. You guys tracking with me? So you're not living in the reality of the amazing promises that he offers you in the way that he wants you to live, which is fullness of life. If you're slack in your prayer life, you've forgotten who you're talking to. Do you understand who you're talking to? The God of the galaxies. He hears you. If you're slack in your Bible study, you're forgetting who's talking to you. This is the God of the galaxy speaking to us. If you're kind of slack in your church attendance, you have forgotten the power of corporate worship. So it's really all about forgetting. We tend to forget. Here's the next one. Negative patterns of thought are burned into my mind, either through repetition over time or through traumatic experiences. I mean, horrible things said to me or done to me or horrible things that I've said or done that haunt and hassle and harass me. Um, You know, why is it that one insult can outweigh a hundred compliments? Some of you, you know, you grow up in a home where your dad or mom says, you're never going to amount to anything. And that sears, that's deep into your heart. And you can have a hundred compliments and that doesn't seem to wipe it out. It's just there. It's always there. It dominates your thoughts and who you are. I mean, how do you work through that? How do you, how do you get beyond that? The things we don't need to remember, we, we remember. And the things we should remember, we don't. I mean, I can remember a few dirty jokes that people said around the job. And when it comes to those verses, yeah, what was that verse now? I'm trying to remember. Why is that? We'll talk about that in a minute. Let me, let me do something here that uh, I, f- I found interesting. So the things that, we, things that we don't need to remember, we remember. And the things that we should remember, we don't. Okay, so let me do a little quick test just to kind of prove that point to you. Uh, these are commercial slogans, you know, commercial ads, slogans. So complete these slogans. You can yell them out. Yell them out loud if you think you know what these are. These are slogans. Melts in your mouth. Okay, what's that? M&M's, you got it. So the next time you're going through a hard time, just say, melts in your mouth, not in your hand. Praise God. <laughs> Ask any mermaid you happen to see, what's the best tuna? That's real useful information. <laughs> okay, this will date you a little bit. We'll see how old you are. A little dabble. Oh, you guys are old. <laughs> don't use it. I used it. Bro cream. Some of you guys don't know what it is, do you? A little dabble, do you? Bro cream. I used a little bit too much. Silly rabbit. <laughs> Tricks are for kids. Tastes great. So you guys are a little, yeah, you guys are excited about that one. That's Miller Light beer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It takes a licking. 
That's so silly, isn't it? Okay. The thrill of victory? Here's some uh, fast food. Where's the? Ooh, that's Wendy's. Have it? Okay. Winston tastes good. See, we got the beer and the cigarettes. You guys are really good here. Please don't squeeze. Help, I've fallen. Sometimes you feel like a nut. That's the best you guys have ever responded to me. We need to start doing commercials of Bible verses, huh? Okay, this is actually a, a commercial for, I probably shouldn't even say, I won't, it's so easy, a caveman could do it. Okay, yeah, Geico. Okay, plop, plop, fizz, fizz. <laughs> I'd walk a mile for a, that's another cigarette, like a good neighbor. Good to the last. Okay, that's coffee. I like that one. The best part of waking up is... <laughs> you guys could actually sing it, huh? Uh, okay, check this one out. Tastes so good, cats ask for it by name. Meow, 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 meow. <laughs> that's dumb. The breakfast of... Oh... I'd love to be a... That's it. You guys know them too well. These guys didn't even say any of them over here. Did you guys do any of them? You're just listening to all these old people. All these old people. That's, that's messed up. You guys have watched way too much TV. I've got my work cut out for me to reprogram you. I mean, isn't that crazy how we... Let me go back to the, my point. Here's my point. The things we don't need to remember, we remember. And the things we should remember, we don't. Here's why. Our hearts are deceitfully wicked and put up a fight against the truth about God. Why do we remember bad things but forget the good? Look at uh, these verses. Deuteronomy 8, 10 through 14. The heart is pride. heart of pride forgets God. Romans 1, 18. We suppress the truth in wickedness. Jeremiah 17, 9. Heart is deceitfully wicked. The heart is deceitfully wicked. I mean, I can't begin to tell you how many people I've come across who have trusted their hearts. And I'm saying, when I say hearts, I'm saying feelings. When they have trusted their hearts over their heads and have lived to regret it. What area of life is this mistake made the most, would you say? That people trust their hearts rather than their heads. Yell it out to me. Romance. Romance. Follow your heart. That's what I do. Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> Don't follow your heart. That's a dumb thing to do. Now, when I say follow your heart, and you hear that all the time. You hear that on those goofy shows, Bachelorette. Well, I just followed my heart. And I was like, well, that's dumb. And, uh, and it really is because we're talking about following your feelings and never listen to your heart without your head. 
Okay, now let's go to the next one. This is where we kind of, we'll kind of wrap it up, and then we're going to read the rest of it. This is a life change that focuses on the heart. Now, I said that because I'm not talking about heart as it relates to feelings. I'm talking about the Bible uses the word heart. It uses it about 900 times, so it's really important. And so it's talking about our thoughts, our emotions, and our actions, but it's much deeper. It's our treasure. Where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be also. So... So the true God of your heart is where your thoughts effortlessly go to when nothing is demanding your attention. So where does your thoughts go to? And we talked about that, so it's kind of interesting. We talked about that in Psalm 1. You can go back and listen to it online. We talked about Psalm 1 because we talked about meditation. Now we're ending this series by talking about our thoughts. Where do your thoughts go to effortlessly when nothing is demanding your attention? That tells you a little bit about what's most important to you, what dominates your thoughts. Now, what should dominate our thoughts? What should be the treasure of our life? It should be Christ. That's when he dominates your thoughts. And that's why he's saying, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Let me, let me tell you something. Knowing him, walking with him, experiencing him, enjoying him is better than any cabin in the mountains, fancy car, nice home, new career, pursuit, any of that stuff. I know, and those are the things that typically dominate our our thoughts. Who's going to win the game today? I hope they play better than they played last week, you know, whatever. But if those are things that dominate your thoughts, stir your deepest emotions, and move you to action, then you need to relocate it on on Christ. And, And ultimately, what is it that transforms our lives? How does the gospel transform our lives? This isn't behavior modification, self-help. St. Augustine put it this way. He said, the key to change is not the acts of the will, but the loves of the heart. So, so you can try your hardest to try to control your thoughts, but ultimately your thoughts are always going to go to that which you most love. So change your loves, and you will change your heart. And so make him the love of your life. And over time, he will begin to dominate your your life and dominate your thoughts and stir your deepest emotions. Thomas Chambers put it this way, the only way to dispossess the heart of an old affection is by the expulsive power of a new one. So when he begins to dominate your thoughts, I mean, there go the old affections. I have a new affection for Jesus. I love watching football, but football doesn't even come close to my affection and my love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, when I watch football, it just kind of rolls all the way up to to Jesus. I go, wow, God, you created this guy. Look at his athletic ability. That's amazing. Glory of God on display. That's When I'm eating a steak, it just kind of rolls all the way up to God. God, what kind of a God would give me this kind of good food and taste buds to enjoy this? Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, you can focus just on the object, and what happens is that we, what we typically do is we exchange the truth of God for a lie, and we worship and serve created things more than the Creator. But when you begin to use the things in this world to take you into a deeper level of worship towards God, that's what it means, where he he gets a hold of your heart. And what is it that transforms our heart? The true story, the true story of what it cost him to redeem us is what ultimately melts and transforms our hearts. Do you have any idea what he did to rescue you? When you do... It will get a hold of your heart and you will love him with all of your life, with all of your soul, 
And yeah, there'll be times in your life, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Right now, I'm just so preoccupied with so many things. Oh God, God, help me to get this deep into my heart. Let me live in the reality of your love. The reason why I have so much anxiety and anger and depression is because I'm not. So God, help me to do that. Help me to surround myself with people that will help me to do that. This is a life change that focuses on the heart. Where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be also. So how do you remember his benefits? You first state the benefits. And so let me read verses 3 through 5. 3 through 5. This is, so he states the benefits. He says, who forgives all of your iniquity. So he's talking about forgiveness. Who heals all, of our, all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So he, he's summarizing it. And then here's the next thing that you do. The next thing you do is that he says, so the first thing, you state the benefits. The second thing, so he's teaching us how to kind of meditate and reflect. And then the second thing is that we think out the implications of the benefits. And the rest of the chapter is just him thinking out the implications. Let me read through the rest of the chapter here. And I want this just to kind of bathe over you. And I want you to be thinking about this as we read over this, is that Jesus was on the cross. He hung on the cross for you, and he was forgotten on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forgotten me? So that you and I would never be forgotten or forsaken. That's what these words are telling us. So may these just bathe us this morning with the assurance of his love. Listen to what he says. So the first part he, he talks about, he's kind of enumerating the forgiveness. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. So he's been talking about, talking about um, in that. Oh, wait, I, I missed the section, didn't I? I started reading in verse 10. Let me go back to verse 6. The Lord works righteousness and justice. That just messed up the guy that's on the, uh, on the slides up there. So if you have your Bible open, keep it open because I just totally confused you. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He's talking redemption. The second part we just read is forgiveness. And then he ends by talking about the satisfaction that we have in him. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and is gone. And its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's to children's children to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments the lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all Bless the Lord, all you his angels, you mighty ones who do his work, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, all my soul. This is the word of the Lord to us this morning. So, praise God. Praise God for his word. And so this is how we're going to end. Why don't you stand with me here. And I'm going to give you a, a blessing, but as you stand, so next weekend, next weekend, last weekend here at Sandra Day O'Connor High School, okay? And so we're kicking off a brand new teaching series, so you're going to want to come out. You're going to want to come out because we're, we're kicking off this new series called City on a Hill. 
that we're going to talk a little bit. I'm going to do a, a quick survey of Matthew 5, 6, and 7 to set up this teaching series that when we land over there, we're going to talk about witness. We're going to talk about how we can let our light shine before men so that they can see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. We're going to be that city on a hill, city on I-17. What is God? Praise God. What does God want us to do? What does that look like? What is the difference that that makes in our lives? That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to kick it off next weekend, so make sure you're back. This will be the last time you'll ever see this place. (laughs) Praise God. Yeah, and we'll be in our new place. So let me just say this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your consistent devotion and love to our Lord Jesus Christ through Desert Breeze, through your financial support through your generosity of time and your giving of your talents and all that you do. We could not do this if it wasn't for you allowing God to move in your heart through Desert Breeze. Thank you. I believe the best is yet to come for this church. I really do. I think God has some great things in store for us. So so as you walk out of here this next week, may we together bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within us, may we bless the Lord. Bless the Lord Oh, our souls, with your soul, with your heart, enjoy him, experience him, live in the reality of him, and then let that overflow to your family and friends. Let them see that, and may they say to you, I want what you've got. May they see such a joy in you as you kind of go through the list of the benefits that he has for you. May you not forget all his benefits in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you.